Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt, and I'm a board-certified integrative and functional nutritionist. I live on the seacoast of New Hampshire and work with clients in my virtual practice all over the world through private consultations and online nutrition and functional medicine programs. Functional medicine nutrition is all about diving deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. And that's exactly what I tackle in this podcast, all things health, food, and nutrition, unpacking current research and almost a decade of clinical experience. I love to bring experts and thought leaders to the table so we can all learn together. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive in. Hey, buds. I'm back, and I got a couple of funny ladies with me, Bridget Shannon and Dana Barron of Wellness Lately. We get kind of fired up and throw out some choice words as we're passionately talking about diet culture today. So if you've got little little guys around, this would be a good uh, earmuff episode. So listen to this away from little kiddos. Now, I want to cue up why I really wanted to bring them on the show. Um, over the past few years, my nutrition business has been making some shifts. I'm moving from general nutrition and disordered eating mindset to more of the functional medicine piece. Now, I obviously continue to speak out openly and honestly against diet culture, and I do so often, but this really isn't the work that I do with my one-on-one clients anymore. And one thing that I've realized, it's become very clear to me that if I try to do it all, I can't do it all well. Um, and it's really reinforced this concept of building out your healthcare team, which is a concept that Dr. Kristen Zames has talked about on the show a couple of times before. Leaning on different people for your different health needs. And I've found myself getting really clear and understanding that, hey, I have no formal training in mental health management or therapy. I'm not qualified to do that piece for people. I'm not qualified to do that for my clients. My private practice is heavily structured around mystery illness, whether that's hormone imbalance, gut dysfunction, autoimmunity, and investigating root causes via functional lab testing and taking people through therapeutic interventions to address what we find. The more of this functional medicine work I do, however, the less bandwidth I have for hand-holding people through the mindset shift piece. But that work is so important. Most people still desperately need it. So what I'm hoping that through this podcast, my interviews and some other types of connections, I can offer up additional resources and places to turn for those who really need a deeper dive into the intuitive eating piece, into the body trust, into the body neutrality. One of the ways that I recovered from my eating disorders and one of the ways that I continue to opt out of diet culture is by surrounding myself with people who also opt out of diet culture in my life, on my social media feeds, literally wherever and whenever I can. I consider it like being an alcoholic. Chances are you don't want to hang out at bars, right? Because dieting is so normalized in our society, I had to sidestep it and create my own normal. So that's what I hope to continue to do with this podcast. It's flood your ear holes with the new norm, right? We're not starving ourselves to fit this arbitrary idea of perfection anymore. We're done. So let's bathe ourselves in that messages. And I'm hoping to continue to provide that with you on this show um, and bring a lot of awesome resources and businesses and women who are doing this mindset shift work. And one such resource is Wellness Lately. So Bridget and Dana are both holistic health coaches and they both founded Wellness Lately, which is a global brand dedicated to helping women stop dieting, 
stop beating themselves up and stop feeling like shit. Through a blog, podcast, live events, and online coaching programs, they deliver useful, actionable, no bullshit information to help women feel confident in their own skin and live a life they're psyched about. I personally love these two ladies. I can't get enough. They're hilarious. They're witty. They're smart and they're fun. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. All right, here we are. Bridget and Dana, let's roll. Let's do it. Wellness Lately, let's just dive right into it. What is Wellness Lately? Especially because you guys talk a lot about reclaiming wellness. So tell us a little bit more about what that means and how it ties into your whole brand. Yeah. Thanks for having us. We're psyched to be here. Um, (laughs) By the way. (laughs) You guys, I just have to preface this whole conversation by saying I am extremely sleep deprived because... Patty was up all night puking and Dana is a brand new mom second time around. So she's sleep deprived. So our girl Bridget is going to really hold us. The most I did hold us down today. <laughs> I have the privilege of saying I slept last night around here. Um, so that said, we are the founders of wellness lately. We are holistic health coaches and we really work in the realm of intuitive eating and, um, and body image work. So we're really on a mission, like you said, to reclaim uh, wellness from diet culture. And we can get into um, why that is because it's been pretty co-opted by, co-opted by, uh, by diet culture. But anyway, we both have worked in the wellness industry for a long time. And um, that's actually how we met. And we saw a lot of bullshit go down. We saw a lot of thinly veiled diet culture, um, you know, kind of masquerading as as wellness. And, um, and at one point we were contributing to that too. And I think what we realized is that the, the real issue that most people face is not, um, related to weight loss or related to a quick fix or fixing their body or physical appearance in general. It's really, um, at the root of that is, is a body image issue and a mindset issue. So we really work with women to shift their mindset around um, around their bodies and around uh, eating habits. And we also really dive into self-care and what that looks like and um, kind of redefining the beauty standards that we all have grown up in, I guess, and been immersed in. Very hard to escape as women in our modern culture um, and really work to shift our self-perception and, um, and mindset and lifestyle so that we can really stop this endless pursuit of weight loss and focus on more meaningful things, things that actually fill us up and create lives that, um, that bring us fulfillment and joy outside of being focused so much in that physical appearance. Awesome. That's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Um, I'd love to dive into this quote that I pulled directly from your website, which says dieting will never be the solution because it's the problem. And that's something that I've been kind of talking about for a while. I'll always say like dieting was your ticket into this whole mess that you're in right now. And the thing that got you in will never be the thing that gets you out. And so many of us are just stuck on this loop. And even if we see the problem, even if we identify the problem, even if we know we want to get out, it becomes, well, just this one last diet and then, right? And I I lived by this for so many years. My ultimate goal, which sounds so silly, but my ultimate goal was to just eat whole foods. I just wanted to eat whole foods and like be happy. Um, and I wouldn't allow myself to do that. I was like, I kind of had to earn the right to do that by dieting. So it was this, once I get to X, Y, Z weight, or once I do this last final diet, then I will give myself permission to just eat like a normal person. Obviously that, that never worked. Um, and I see this play out clinically because I'll have clients, let's say, with some hormonal dysfunction. And maybe the reason they have that hormonal dysfunction is because they've been restricting for so long that their bodies try to compensate in another way. And so it becomes, okay, I have hormonal imbalance. So should I do fasting or should I do keto or should I do this diet in order to fix my hormones? And I'm like, if your hormones are out of balance because of restriction, then restriction is not going to balance your hormones, right? Yes. So can talk around this and like why that's such a thing. And if we are stuck in that hamster wheel, how the hell do we get off of it? 
Yeah, this is a really good question. And it's something I struggled with for a long time too. And I think where you're saying your clients have a hormonal issue due to restriction, that more restriction can't fix them. Our clients typically come to us feeling out of control around food. They're in this cycle where they try really hard to be perfect for a while and they quote unquote fall off the wagon and, you know, encounter last supper syndrome where it's like, well, I already blew it. Let's just eat everything in sight and start over on Monday, right? So they're stuck in this diet cycle that is, um, you know, restriction, uh, you know, the restriction builds up and then you blow it and then you go nuts and then you go back into restriction, right? And the thing that the problem is that we, the reason that we say dieting will never be the solution because it's the problem is because the restriction itself is what causes the out of control feelings around food, right? The mindset even of restriction, you can be physically eating and still be restricting, right? Because you can be cloaking yourself in shame and guilt and regret as you're eating. So you're still psychologically depriving yourself, right? So it's that very restriction, either physically or psychologically, that causes our bodies and our brains to override it by what most people think of as binge eating, right? Or emotional eating, right? So if you pull that restriction weed out, then then the binging typically goes away. I would say that's for the majority of women that we deal with, who I should preface with, they're not diagnosed, clinic, like clinically diagnosed eating disorders. These are women who are struggling with dieting, struggling with body image, and feel like they're crazy and out of control around food. So what I learned in my own life was that remove the restriction, you remove that crazy, overwhelming urge to eat, you remove that that coveting of food and you remove that just the physical urge because you're physically underfed, your body is going to win out by overriding that, that, that mental need to not eat as much. So the restriction really is what causes it. So you remove that and you break out of that cycle. And sometimes it takes a little while for the pendulum to swing back into balance, but then you start to be able to eat to your body's own cues and to feel good and to really know what that means. Um, instead of just as a baseline like response to deprivation, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if you'd have anything to add to that, Bridget, but. No, you nailed it. Thanks. Um, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad that you're bringing that up because I talk a lot about restriction, a lot, a lot, a lot about restriction because so many people, I just see so many women with that restrictive mentality. Um, but we we rarely talk about overeating on this show because I, I tend to see overeating as a little bit of a fallacy because of the exact yes. thing that you're saying. Like, is it really overeating? Is it really binging? Or are you just hungry and giving your body what it needs? and what it Or are you just eating more than Weight Watchers or Shape Magazine led you to believe is a normal amount of food? It's a big thing too. Absolutely. Um, so you're saying you got to throw out the restriction mindset and it sort of evens itself out, like that pendulum swing analogy. Yeah. In uh, Linda Bacon's book, Health at Every Size, she has one line that I feel like really sums up a lot of our work, or a lot of our work, or maybe it's two lines, but it's basically the fact that a quote-unquote normal eater, so a non-dieter, right, when faced with high stress or stressful situations in their lives, they don't typically go to food to cope, right? But dieters, people living in restricted food situations, typically in higher stress situations will go to food, right? So all of these women who think they're quote unquote emotional eaters wouldn't be that way if they hadn't been living in this mental and physical restriction. So normalizing our relationship with food is what makes us, makes that feeling like we're out of control and knowing that we're overeating past hunger, um, it makes it go away. If that makes it sense. Would, it makes sense. And I would, I would imagine that many of your uh, ladies are faced with a tremendous amount of fear. Like, okay, what do you mean I'm going to give up this restriction that has like been my thing for so long? How do I just let go of that? Bridget, you want to, I feel like I've been flapping my gums over here. Yeah, we have this, uh, this, we play this dance a lot. Um, typically we are all, we all hold some fear of food unless you've you've managed to somehow escape it. But because we live in a culture where 
fat phobia is rampant and there is a lot of um there's a lot of weight stigma around gaining weight the fear is not so much the food the fear is around gaining weight right and what that means for us and our bodies and our lives so typically you know we 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 run into this all the time where it's this terrifying step right of going off the diet or we feel like we're going to lose control and just you know, eat everything in sight or get to one extreme and just blow up if we stop letting ourselves uh, drop the rules or reject that diet mentality, right? Um, And the reality is we have to let ourselves do that. And that's why it's so important to get support in this process and, um, and work with someone or at least, you know, get the support through books or podcasts or whatever. But um, it's really terrifying if you've been stuck in the diet mentality for a long time to take that step and say, I'm going to, you know, let myself go there. Um, But it's the most important step in this process because until we completely reject the diet mentality, there's no way that we're going to um, work through all these other steps and like, and heal our relationship with food. We have to understand that food there, we have to drop the morality around food, right? That all foods are treated equal, that there's no good or bad food, but it's really hard to do that because we've for so long, many of us have had all these rules about what is right and wrong. So typically I think it's, we're really looking at a fear of weight gain, which is a whole nother sort of, um, toolkit, I guess, that we need to use to address that where that's underneath the fear of food and the fear of eating whatever we want. Let's talk about weight gain. Um, because yeah, I think that is like, that is the, the fear underneath it all. What happens if your fear is actualized? What happens if you go on this journey to release restriction and you do gain weight? And I see this a lot too, is that people embark on this healing journey and sometimes that comes with weight gain, right? And people freak out. So what do we do? What if, if I need to gain weight in order to really release restriction, in order to regain my physical health, in, re, in order to regain my mental health and my sanity, how am I supposed to work through that? Yeah, there are concrete steps we can take to improve our body image, first of all, and to rewrite this narrative that we've been fed our entire lives about what the beauty standards are and how that relates to our worth as women, right? So we have to sort of untangle our self-worth from our physical appearance, right? That is a huge step, right? We have to work on our body image, body neutrality, which is really important to Bridget and I, which is necess- which is like, we're not saying that you need to... Um, care less about your appearance so that you can feel better about yourself. It's just like you stop thinking so much about your physical appearance, right? And there are concrete steps that we can that we can take, right? We can practice cultural criticism. We can practice body awareness, you know, like meditations to be in your body and focusing on gratitude for your your health if you have, you know, a certain level of health and your abilities and everything that your body's helped you experience in life and focusing on that type of gratitude practice um, for what your body can do for you as opposed to how your body looks, right? Um, so there's very specific steps you can do there. And the other thing is is shifting our mindset to really one of, I mean, one of the biggest steps, like Bridget said, is rejecting that diet mentality. And one of the ways that we help women to do that is to really illuminate, first of all, the lie of dieting in and of itself, that dieting works long-term to reduce your overall body weight. Um, And, you know, to look at what dieting is costing you in your life, right? To really unpack the pain that it's causing you, what you're missing out on in life, how it's allowing you to disassociate from your life and not engage in it fully, right? And to really see that cost for what it is, right? To sort of like, pull the curtain on dieting and to see it for what it is. Because dieting typically is not doing anything good for anybody. It's typically hurting us, right? In a really big way, especially if they've come to us. So they've reached the point where they're frustrated and they want help, right? Um, So to really look at the cost of it and have an honest conversation with yourself, because sure, the healing journey can be hard. But for me, in my own personal life, it has been so much more rewarding 
and fulfilling than living in that kind of pain. The kind of pain of hating your body every day when you look in the mirror, the pain of constantly restricting yourself and missing out on life and holding back from being who you really want to be and showing up the way you want to be in life. Um, It's a cost analysis, really. It's an honest conversation with yourself about it. And also like the harsh reality that when you finally achieve the ideal body or the ideal weight, it doesn't come with any sense of happiness or peace. That's what I mean by exposing the lie of dieting, right? The lie of that dieting means weight loss, means happiness, means health, means worth, because none of that is true, right? And when we can really see it for what it is, it's easier to walk away from. And, you know, dieting, I'm glad that you said that because dieting for me in my life, I realized was a really really sharp disassociation tool. It allowed me to distract myself from the bigger things I didn't want to face in life, like figuring out a career that I loved, the fact that I was single and I wanted to be in a relationship, the fact that I was, you know, anxious about becoming an adult and living on my own and all these things. So like it really allows you to disassociate from those. It can prevent you from being happy as opposed to leading to that happiness and fulfillment. So if you spend all of your time and mind and mind space and energy trying to lose weight for forever, <laughs> that's so much time, mind space and energy that you're not spending in joyful, fulfilling, engaging, interesting ways in life. And a lot of our work too, we really um, shine a light on the uh, industrial complex at play here and the fact that we um, are all being sold this lie too and that there are some serious forces at play that this is not just a problem with us that's in our heads that we, you know, make up or that comes out of the blue, right? It's, there is a lot of advertising that sells us this specific lie. There's a lot of, um, you know, marketing that's telling us that we need to be thin in order to be happy, in order to be worthy and loved. And so a huge part of our work is shining a light on this messaging and this, you know, this cultural standard where we're all kind of being conditioned by to believe that that's true. So, even though it might seem kind of silly to say, like, look at the advertising around us, we're still all immersed in this. And it's a huge healing process or part of the healing process is like looking around and saying, what are we being sold? And, you know, it's one thing to look at sort of outright ads about, um, you know, or look at the cover of a women's health magazine and see uh, some skinny white chick with a six pack drinking a green juice and saying like, this is what you need for your best self, right? Um, It's another thing to look at the wellness industry and see just how insidious it is and just how um, kind of blurred the lines are between that and also, uh, you know, do this detox program or, you know, cleanse program in order to live your best life. And like looking at that blurred line is really important for the work we do because so many of our clients come to us after... Um, following a lot of these health influencers and wellness bloggers and whatever and saying, wait, I thought that like if I just followed whatever they said to do, I'd be happy like they seem to be, right? So really breaking down that cultural uh, conditioning and how we all got here in the first place. Can you... And so I, this is kind of how you you started the conversation talking about this, um, how wellness is so co-opted by diet culture. And so we think we're buying into wellness when it's really just more of the same. Do you, can you think off the top of your head of like specific examples? I, my brain always does really well with like concrete, tangible, you know, examples um, of this, of what you're talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, just the first thing that comes to mind is the fact that um, we see so many sort of uh, diets being, veiled as, uh, as lifestyle changes, right. Or as, or weight loss, I should say, really, that's what it is, is being, um, sold as a lifestyle change or, um, and we also see this, you know, this idea that people are putting their highlight reels on Instagram and saying, just eat this way. And, you know, you're going to be happy like me when, Meanwhile, we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes, right? We have no idea um, just how much money that they're making off of sponsored posts. We have no idea what's going on in their real life. Um, but we're led to believe that if we just eat the way they do or eat, you know, uh, do the workout they do, that we're going to look like them and that we, you know, 
a big message here is that we just have to work hard enough, right? Or we just have to stick to the diet or we just have to have the willpower and motivation and then anything is possible. Um, But the reality is there's, you know, this is a whole nother (laughs) tangent, but there's so many factors here that are not related to just how we're eating or if we are just quote unquote sticking to something. Like there's so many factors that contribute to our health um, besides diet and exercise, things like our income and our, you know, body size and our race and our gender and our gender identity. Like there's so many factors that we're not taking into account when we look at someone who is just saying, just eat this way and you're going to be happy and and then you're going to be healthy and then you're going to have your best life. And it's, that's why we get so warped you know, and that's why we have people who come to us and say, I just, I thought I was doing everything right. I've been, you know, eating this way. I've been on every diet in the planet and I'm still miserable. So it's very um, easy to get lost in that wellness culture that is really just a lot of orthorexia, frankly. Absolutely. And then they gaslight your ass when yeah. you're not getting the, the results that every, you know, that the whoever's promoting the diet is getting, it's your fault because right. you hard enough. And this happens for weight loss diets, but I see this happening a lot in the, the wellness world. Like AIP is a perfect example, autoimmune paleo protocol. There's a real, like, there's some real fisticuffs going on in the whole AIP movement because it's the same thing. It's like, if you can't put your autoimmune disease into remission with this diet, it is your fault. You don't understand the diet or you didn't do it hard enough. You didn't eliminate enough foods. You didn't try hard enough you fail, right? So it's just like this shifting over. It's the same diet mentality laid over the wellness world. Um, how about, I would love to hear your thoughts and I have no idea what you're going to say ahead of time. Um, but tell me your thoughts on before and after photos. Oh, big, big no. Um, we are, I would, I would say it's a no tolerance policy for them. I mean, we just, um, they're so, so problematic, not only from the perspective of um, this idea that everyone's journey is going to be different, right? That we can't just look at someone's before and after photo and say, that's going to work for me too. But I think more problematic is the body that people are suggesting is the right one when we see before and after. Like we look at someone's before picture and say, we don't look anything like that. How, like, what does that mean for us? Right. Even if it's, and you know, what's also funny. I've been seeing a lot of these reverse before and after photos too. Like, even if it's, I've gained weight, here's my after, but it's like, I've put on muscle or something like that. Right. Like, but my mindset's changed. Like we're still centering the body here. We're still talking about bodies. We're still suggesting that one is better than the other. We're still suggesting that whatever, you know, was done to achieve that body is the right way to go about doing it. Like there's still so much talk about the body when we are really working to try to get away from that with what we do. We're trying to bring a little bit more neutrality to the situation with our clients. So to see these suggested before and afters is so damaging for our clients. And that's why we just have, you know, one of the big steps in our process is uh, unfollowing people on social media, you know, blocking, deleting, whatever you got to (laughs) do. But um, because social media, you know, there's a lot that maybe we see that we can't control, but we certainly can control as much as we can, right? So going through your feed and like cleaning that shit up is something that is a huge part of our process for that exact reason. No more before and afters. Yeah, I think at the core of what we do and at the core... Are we allowed to curse on this or no? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I should have asked. We are? Okay. At the core of what we do is that... I don't even remember why I thought I was going to curse saying this. Oh, like (laughs) the shit that really makes us angry is the fact that like we are still talking about women's bodies and what they look like. And the reason that before and after pictures are so problematic is because like it's bringing the conversation to what we look like again. And like that conversation about we look what we look like is what stresses everybody out and holds it to this higher standard or higher importance in our lives than it needs to be. And that is what causes our problematic behavior around food. Because if we care so much about why we look, we're going to put an enormous amount of pressure on the way that we eat. So it's just like the last thing that this world needs is more pictures of women in their underwear on the internet. <laughs> like, Can we just stop dissecting how we look, thinking about how we look and just like centering it? Like Bridget said, like we just... 
It's the start of everything. It's the and start another of all thing. The problems. <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> and another thing. I mean, if we look at some of these, um, you know, these photos are often, if we read the captions to go, to go crazy, there's something usually being sold, whether it's a program or a protocol or a product, an MLM product, for God's sake, stop with the before and afters talking about a, you know, shake or whatever. Like, that's what's when we're talking about this industrial complex, like that's what we're talking about this, that a before and after photo can sell some sort of transformation because of, because we drank a shake every day, you know, (laughs) get real riled up. No, me me too. I feel the same way. I was just having this conversation recently and I said essentially the same thing. No, zero tolerance. If you post a before and after picture, I will unfriend you. And I'm 10 years out from uh, eating disorder recovery and it's still hard for me to see. It's just absolute rubbish. Um, And even what you were talking about, like the, the opposite before and after pictures or like the body reclamation photos of like, I love myself despite these stretch stretch marks, right? I love myself despite these thick thighs. It's still centering. I get that. I mean, I really get that. That's maybe that's some people's journey to like reframing diet culture talk, but it's still centering the body. It's still saying that even though I have these thighs, which are socially unacceptable, I'm still going to choose to love myself, but it's really hard to do so because who could love somebody with thick thighs? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this is where we talk about the the difference between body positivity and body neutrality too. There's certainly a place for body positivity, right? There's certainly a need for a more uh, diverse landscape of beauty standards and bodies. And we're, we are fully in support of that. Um, the The challenge with body positivity is that if we are coming at it from a place of hating our bodies for a long time or struggling to accept our bodies, it's a really tough jump to go from that to all of a sudden loving every inch of ourselves all the time, right? Um, and it can kind of make us feel worse. We, we can kind of feel shitty that we... Sorry, I was like, shitty. I forgot if we said we could or not. Yeah. We, we can kind of feel really bad about ourselves if we aren't either loving ourselves in our bodies or if we can't get there. So it's like this meta, you know, double one, two punch, like, how am I supposed to feel now? And at the end of the day, we just want to feel, we want to be thinking less about our bodies and we want to be focusing on other things because we have so many other things that we could be thinking about and pursuing. And so while we totally respect uh, the body positivity movement, which by the way, was created by and for people who are not necessarily in the conversation anymore. It's another thing that the wellness industry has co-opted. This was really created by people who were feeling like they weren't represented. And now all of a sudden we see a bunch of skinny white chicks on Instagram posting pictures of their uh, conventionally thin bodies saying, I worked really hard to love myself. So, you know, then we look at that and say, well, what does that mean? You know, if I don't look like you and I'm not struggling to accept myself, you know, it's this very, um, it's just gotten really, I would say out of control and it's just not our lane. So I guess all that to say, we respect what it was created for, but it's just not, um, not our lane. And it's also not helpful for people who are struggling to accept themselves regardless of what their body looks like. Yeah. And another caveat I just want to throw out here, because when Bridget and I start getting heated up like this, <laughs> it can sound like Funny. we're like, we're really like giving people a hard time. And when we talk about like our work is about like cultural criticism, like for any woman to post a before and after, for any woman to be selling shakes, for any woman to be doing anything around her body, first of all, body autonomy, so do whatever you want. But we're not attacking the individuals because these are all very normal, natural responses to the culture that we live in. What we're saying is, and we're also like, if you want to do some sort of diet and you're in a fitness MLM and that works for you and that's your life and you feel great, great. We're out here for the women that that's not working for. Like we're out here for the women who are really struggling with their body image every morning, who can't stick to diets, who are sick of wasting their life hating themselves and don't want to participate in that anymore. Like that's, that's our lane. That's where we're, that's who we're here for. But like, I have plenty of friends in MLMs or people, you know, selling fitness and weight loss and all that kind of stuff. And I respect them as individuals and that's fine. I just want to throw that caveat out there that like, 
we get it. Like we've been in it, we get it. And we're not attacking individuals for any choices that they're making, just that there's an alternative and we're here to offer it to you if that's, if you're feeling like called to, to get out of that. God, that's such an important point. And I'm so grateful that you brought it up. Um, it's something that I try to like post disclaimers about, like mm-hmm. this is not a personal attack on anybody. Yeah. Anytime I speak out against something like that, I try to do that. And if it doesn't apply, let it fly. Always. Yeah. If what I'm saying does not apply to you, then just move on. I'm talking to the people that it does apply to, right? right? And that's so, so important. Um, So thank you. Because we're all at different places on our journeys too. Like I was that person 10 years ago. I'm glad I'm not anymore, but like I didn't need to be, you know, I didn't need to catch vitriol in that spot. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I recently did a big, like, it was like a 12 page email. Like I just, nice. well, I was like, I'm, this is going to start off as an Instagram post. And then it just got, I just dove into the research so hardcore that I was like, I am 12 pages later, I'm going to have to send you an email. But it was really exploring MLMs promoting gut healing protocols. And as somebody who's been studying for a decade on gut healing protocols and who fully comprehends that there's no such thing as a protocol because it really depends on each person's very unique microbiome. I was like, this is actually bullshit. Like this needs to be called out. So I did. And of course I got some negative feedback. I'm using this product and I feel great. Fucking awesome. Keep doing it then. You know, like don't listen to me. But everybody else that's freaking out right now, this is who I'm speaking to. This is my audience. Yeah, we got we got hit a few times on uh, in our Instagram comments attacking. We're not even attacking it; we're just calling it out for what it is. Like you can call it WW now if you want to, but Weight Watchers is the OG founder of the diet industrial complex. Weight Watchers messed me up for a very long time. Weight Watchers causes a lot of pain. Weight Watchers is the only thing that I feel personal need to forgive Oprah for. Like (laughs) Weight Watchers, you're never going to convince me that Weight Watchers is a healthy thing for anybody because we know the data that, you know, that type of a program leads to disordered eating and it's a slippery slope into eating disorders, especially for young kids. So don't come at us with this Kerbo bullshit. So we just said that and we, whew, those comments were (laughs) swampy for a while. (laughs) People who are in Weight Watchers having a good experience? Yeah. Um, I don't even know if it's a good experience, but just I think people they don't, need to defend things that they're loyal to. Will defend their actions and cling yeah. to that hope that yeah. it's going to work. Which is a reflection of diets in general, right? Yeah. Like intermittent fasting, you know, like I'll say, Hey, it's really not appropriate for most menstruating women. And then I'll have somebody bang down the door being, but I love it. I'm like, cool. Right. Cool. Awesome. The thing is, found something that works great for you. It doesn't work for 90% of menstruating women. So I'm going to say that. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like the seagull effect of people just swooping in, shitting on your work and leaving and you never hear from (laughs) them again. But it's also like people can come at Bridget and I about like any type of diet and we can just be like, yeah, we did it. Like we have done every diet there is. Like, so... You can try to you can try to convince us that Weight Watchers is good, that it's like a like a nonprofit supporting healthy eating or something, but like it's very much not. So like whatever. Bridget's better at handling it than I am. Because <laughs> I just want to like fly off the handle, but she's an experienced social media manager. So she's I mean, like, like we'll type out down. all caps, like scram, and then <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Put your phone down, Dana. <laughs> uh, she seems very diplomatic, Bridget. Yeah, I have my days. (laughs) I want to talk about um, hunger and like really tuning back into hunger cues. Um, I I feel like I use this quote a lot. It's from Janine Roth. Um, Like asking women to trust themselves is just like throwing them to the wolves, right? We've essentially been taught that our desires and our feelings are wrong. And if we have sexual desires, we're a whore. If we have big feelings, we're hysterical. If we listen to our body's feelings, symptoms, then we're hypochondriacs. And God forbid, if we have hunger or we have cravings, right? We lack willpower. We're out of control. We tell ourselves that our body's fighting against us. We've just created all of these ways to opt out of the fact that we actually have feelings and desires. And we have all of these ways 
to bio biohack the fact that we're hungry and they're all socially acceptable, like pounding water, just drink some seltzer, chew some gum, white knuckle it. Is our hunger really the problem here? Is that really what's like making us come undone? No, it's trying to, it's trying to squash our hunger. I did the water thing. I remember like very vividly like reading a post one time. It says like, if you're hungry, just drink a glass of water as if that solves, you know. How about a high school wrestling coach told me to chug a Diet Coke before every meal? A dude told a high school chick that like, (laughs) are you kidding? (laughs) Like. Yeah, when you no, he was that. just my gym teacher. I didn't even. I wasn't trying to make weight. That guy just. We need to unpack this story a little. Bit. Yeah, that's for another. Day. But like, yeah, like the problem is trying to is trying to squash our hunger by not eating. Like hunger is so normal. It's when we try. It's when we try to override it that our bodies and our brains go nuts, and that's what then makes us feel so out of control. So. Um, I don't know. I forget your specific question because we just went off a little bit. Well, maybe like give some, maybe we can give people some more actual like tools to start assessing our hunger. Let's say we've just kind of like opted out of our hunger for a really long time or we view hunger as a bad thing. I remember like right at the, the, the very start of my eating disorder before it was like technically an eating disorder. I remember talking to my best friend because we were eating disorder buddies yeah, uh, yeah. about like just talking about how I like the feeling of being hungry versus mm-hmm. being full. Being full felt scary to me, whereas being hungry, uh, feeling hungry felt like I was like productive. I was doing something good for myself. So let's say, you know, that was like when I was 12 years old. Let's say somebody's been dealing with that and like hung, fearing hunger for most of their lives. How do we start to tune into signals of hunger? Or I've had people that have restricted for so long, they're like, I don't even know what hunger feels like anymore. So how do we start to like re-engage with that and honor those cues? I think it's really individual, but I think that that's why like one of the first steps that we have is to reject the diet mentality and to start to honor your hunger, which means basically to eat, like feed yourself, eat. Like we have to start eating regularly. So if you're someone um, who just doesn't really know until they're ravenously hungry and they're binging, if they're hungry or not, like I think that the best step is to just sort of eat regularly throughout the day and then start to check in with your body and see how you're feeling because it can be really hard. Like actually, even in my own life, after this last pregnancy for about like a month there, I I started to feel nauseous a lot and then I wouldn't want food. And I realized that like somehow in all my hormonal stuff, like my hunger cue changed and I didn't notice it until I, and then it was like, instead of having like a blood sugar crash and being ravenous, I would be put off by food. But really I was so hungry that like when I ate, I started to feel better. And then I realized that like those uncomfortable feelings were like new hunger cues for me. So I think that the answer is always to start eating first. Like don't start to try to work through all these different like feelings in your body if you're still restricting. I think you have to, if you're not someone who ever ate breakfast, for instance, like try to find a breakfast that like you can stomach and that you can eat every morning and then try to eat regularly and sort of start to tune into your body and start to check in every 10, 15 minutes, every half hour, set a timer on your phone and just like sit, get quiet and like just kind of tune in and see how your body is physically feeling. What sensations are coming up for you? Is your stomach growling? Does your throat feel funny? Are you lightheaded? Are you having trouble paying attention? You know, are you... Um, are you, you know, just rumbling belly, all that kind of stuff. Um, so really the first step I think is to eat and then check in. Bridget, I don't know if you would have something other. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I also want to underscore what you said, Aaron, about trust, because that's such a key part of this process is, is rebuilding that trust with our bodies because what dieting has done to us is stripped us of that trust and also stripped us of the confidence in our own decisions and choices and abilities to actually eat. And, um, you know, because we've been living by these rules and, you know, responding to what everyone else says about how to eat and how much and when, uh, we do try to just stuff down all those hunger cues, right? And we really are teaching our bodies to ignore any sort of external cues, um, related to our own bodies. So part of like honoring our hunger is, is really rebuilding our trust with our own body. And part of that is, uh, 
this idea that we are allowed to eat and that we, um, that food is available to us again, because for so long we are kind of, um, you know, for when we're in that dieting cycle, like the main driver of binging or, you know, not being able to control ourselves around food is that we've trained our bodies to believe that food is off limits or there won't be enough or that, you know, we're going to go hungry. Right. And, our bodies do not like that. <laughs> they don't, they're, it's a biological response in terms of a signal that there's a famine or starvation. So our body is going to do whatever it can to protect us from that, whether we like it or not. So our body, we're going to have a biological response to uh, basically starving ourselves. And, you know, we say this all the time, our bodies, when we get to that point, they don't care if we want to look good in our jeans or fit into a bathing suit or whatever. Like they just want to take care of the biological system here, which is needing food really. So we have to like the trust here is such a big part of it. And that's when we, yeah, honor those cues about and like keep our, keeping ourselves fed, but we have to understand that it's a biological response here. It's not about like willpower or, uh, you know, eating or uh, drinking enough coffee or water to keep ourselves full. Like this is an actual biological response to deprivation. Yeah. And I'll add to that, that it's a very healthy response, right? It is what our bodies are supposed to do. If we are starving ourselves and our bodies aren't putting up a fight, there's something wrong, right? We're probably really sick in one way or another. So it's also a very healthy thing for our bodies to do. So that's a that's an important point to drive home um, because it's been denormalized. Yes. Right. Um, and this is this just came up in my head, so I want to like get it out there. Is that sometimes um, what's been really common? Because I think because intermittent fasting is so is so prevalent right now, I see a lot of women skipping breakfast or just eating later in the day. When I question, you know, is there a reason for this? People are like, I'm just not hungry in the morning. And lack of hunger in the morning can actually be a sign of low blood sugar or blood sugar fluctuations or uh, mismanaged blood sugar. So if you're having, I did a whole podcast on symptoms of low blood sugar, so I won't get into the, um, the specifics right now, but if you're getting that afternoon crash, maybe like 2, 3 p.m., if you're getting headaches, if you're getting feelings of hangry, uh, like hanger, if you're feeling a little spacey, um, weird cognitive issues throughout the day, that's a good indication that you're sort of on that blood sugar roller coaster. You're experiencing issues of low blood sugar. If we let our blood sugar crash really early in the day, it's kind of hard to regain control. So sometimes in this case, I'll have people actually override their own hunger cues because they're just not in tune with them. We have to kind of like retrain and relearn how to do that. And I will say with those women, it's, it, they have pretty profound effects simply by just bumping up their first meal. So I kind of wanted to throw that out there, but then I want to come back around to what Bridget was talking about, because it sounds like you're starting to segue into my next question, which is like, why don't diets work and like hit us with the science? Like, I really want people to understand that this thing that we've been trying to do for so long, truly, truly, truly doesn't work. And I know you guys are, this is one of your jump offs is the science behind it, right? Bridget. <laughs> I just took, took a big uh, sip of tea that I was like gulping at that um at that point. Um, yes, it is one of our big sort of, uh, pillars because we, as you know, a lot of times the science gets kind of lost in this diet world, right? We get kind of like, uh, we're not actually looking at some of the data and research that's out there when we're talking about, um, weight loss and, uh, dieting and eating and restriction in general. So we are really big fans of looking at the actual research about here and like, and like saying, okay, here is, you know, we've talked about this with you, like, here's what the data is saying. And it's not, this is stuff that's proven and there's research around it, um, showing the detrimental effects of things like restriction and not only just the, uh, psychological effects, but physiological effects too. Um, and you know, the, the science is really around that restriction and also a little bit of, um, our weight set points. So just to kind of give a little bit of an overview about weight set points, we all have one. So it's usually around a 20 pound range or so. And that's going to be different for everyone, but we all have these natural set points that we, our bodies fall at. So, um, you know, that's the 
the size that we're kind of programmed to function at optimally. So um, our body is going to fight to maintain that range no matter what happens. And we have no control over this, right? It's like our eye color or our hair color, our natural hair color. We don't really have any control, (laughs) just to throw that in there, to specify. Um, You don't have any control over this when it comes to your body's weight set point. So, you know, our body is biologically and genetically determined to weigh within that range. So, you know, when we are dieting that we usually are losing weight, right? We're usually like initially dropping a few pounds, which is normal. Um, That is almost always gained back because, and and this causes a shit ton of frustration, right? And we usually um, either stop losing weight or we plateau or something. And, you know, even though we're still restricting any food intake, and that's a sign that our body is fighting to retain that set point and really um, hold on to that natural range. So when we go below that set point, our body is really... um, you know, going to fight back with the adjustment in both appetite and our metabolism. So it's causing, you know, our metabolism and our hormones to go all over the place. And we're going to end up gaining weight usually. And the, the science is out there, right? That most people who attempt to diet usually gain it back. And usually with some interest within five years or so, 10 years. If you look at um, the data, that's a proven fact. So the problem is that not only then do we have these fluctuations in our bodies and it's messing with our hormones and our um, we're weight cycling all the time, that adds to the mental frustration too, right? Because we're beating ourselves up for regaining weight. We're beating ourselves up for um, you know, ending up worse off than when we started. So that's adding to the frustration too. And we're stressed and that's messing with our hormones. So um, really important concept to understand when, it, when we're talking about weight loss and weight gain. And so what we want to do is get to a point where we're eating naturally as a, you know, in response to those intuitive cues, because that's where we our body settles at its natural set point. So um, if we have been dieting for a long time, we have no idea often where our set point is because we are, you know, fluctuating all over the place. And so the only way to get to that set point is to stop dieting, to get out of that cycle, get out of the binge restriction cycle, um, and to learn how to eat in a way that is really good for our body and most effective for our body. And that's, you know, that takes a lot of um, figuring out to do, right? And that's where we help people with is like, what is going to be best for your body? And that's really, really hard to figure out when you are in a place of dieting and you have been for a long time. It could be, you know, you could be all over the place. So, um, and this is, you know, not to get too far off track, but this is where we go back to that conversation around weight gain too, right? Because sometimes your weight set point might be higher than what you're at now. So then we have to deal with all the body image issues that come up and um, adjust accordingly, <laughs> if you will. So um, I don't know if you want to add anything there about the science, data, but that's such a key thing to understand for our clients because they don't... First of all, we recognize that it's not our fault if dieting has failed us in the past. And it's something that is really helpful to understand in terms of our body. But it's also kind of freeing to understand, okay, this is like, this is my body. And you know, then we have to think about accepting that where we're at, right? But this is where I'm at. I'm not going to... If I keep trying to get smaller, it's not going to work because of that theory and because I'm out of my range. So I might as well just start eating in a way that feels really good and stop trying so damn hard so I can get off this hamster wheel. (laughs) (laughs) But that's all, I mean, that's like absolutely bang on and such a good way to kind of tie the whole conversation together. Um, It's like, it's just just fighting this uphill battle all the time. And when people come to me and they're like, I feel like I'm fighting an uphill battle. It's like, it's probably because you are, you know, harsh reality is that your, your healthy body might look different than it does in your head or the cultural norm. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, something that is also, um, and that's where we talk about the, go back to those beauty standards and, 
do all the work on body image and the mindset work and all the self-talk and all of this with self-compassion, right? Huge key. But, um, you know, another part of this is, is really around the restriction and really looking at what restriction is causing us, um, both physically and, and psychologically, like not only that overcompensating with weight gain, but also looking at things that like are, affecting our health outside of just dieting. We talked a little bit about this, but there's so many other things that affect our health and affect our bodies and the size of our bodies than just factors like diet and exercise. Like we talk about access to care and access to, um, you know, income and our environment and genetics and, you know, so many other lifestyle factors that affect our health that we're not even considering. We're just so focused on dieting and like trying to, you know, focus on what we're eating that we don't even think about how something like stress or our career or any other things might be affecting our health too. Yeah. And I would chime in about the the science and the research is that we're really rooted in the intuitive eating and health at every size, right? So if your listeners are interested in looking at like the real hard data, that those are good places to start, especially the health at every size research. Um, and it's just basically important to be aware that most of what's out in the wellness industry is pseudoscience based on like short-term anecdotal evidence, right? And some of the people that are promoting certain protocols and certain tribalist, you know, um, nutrition protocols and stuff like that. Um, a lot of them were just thin to begin with, (laughs) you know, like a lot of them just look like that, whether they're doing keto or, and working out or not, or some similar version of that. So the problem is that people in, in bodies that don't look like that are looking at these things thinking, well, it's, it's all based on personal responsibility. If I just ate that way and worked out that way, I should look like them. I should be quote unquote healthy or whatever. And that is really harmful, right? Not only is the stress, the physical stress of dieting harmful to us, so it's subtracting from our overall wellness, but it's also like psychologically damaging because it's not true that everyone has access to the same food the same resources, the same healthcare. Like, of course, your access to health, quality healthcare is going to affect your health outcomes. So just saying that eat this way, do this, buy this shake, it's irresponsible, but it's also actively causing people harm because not everybody is in a healthy body to begin with. Not everybody is in environments and financial situations and genders and races that, you know, are facing the same levels of stigma and oppression in our society, which has a massive impact on their health outcomes. So just chiming in there, but that's the research that we're really, we're really invested in at this point. All right. Well, with that, that was a lot. That was a, that was a big way to end it. Um, Casual chit chat. <laughs> All of it is so important and so underrepresented and under discussed. So I appreciate that. Where can people find more? You guys have a podcast. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about the podcast? So if, if listeners are really looking to work on that mindset piece, that's so important. Where can they find more of your work, more of your dialogue? Tell us a little bit more. Yeah. Thanks for asking. We're at wellnesslately.com and it's kind of our hub. Uh, but we do have a podcast of the same name, Wellness Lately. And we do have a lot of conversations like this one about these sort of elements of wellness that is all encompassing. So things like the nutrition piece and the, um, you know, the, all of those sort of conversations as it relates to our health, but we're also taking into account other areas like career and spirituality and, you know, all the things that relationships, like other things that affect our well-being too. We just really love to talk with other people in the industry. Um, and more importantly, I would say people, we are interested in people who, um, you know, are doing great work that we don't always hear about in the space. So looking at a lot of conversations around some of these things um, that are not always talked about in the wellness space. So we see so many, you know, fad diet type things and, um, and nutrition and diet or exercise related conversations. And we feel like there's so much more to wellness than just that scope. So we're really interested in having um, a holistic perspective on wellness there. So that's at Wellness Lately. Um, And then, yeah, on our website, we have some coaching programs rooted in this mindset work and body image work. We have um, coaching group programs, private coaching, and uh, some self-study programs 
And um, we do live events and retreats as well. Um, and I think that covers it. We're on Instagram. That's kind of where we hang out. Most of the time, we do have a private Facebook group as well, where we do live trainings often on this stuff and um, bring in experts to do trainings as well. Um, I think that covers it. Cool. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say that if, if somebody's listening and they feel like they're really stuck in the diet mindset, which again is a normal response to being steeped in this culture, it I would really recommend surrounding yourself because you can't get so fixated on this is the norm, this is the norm, this is the only way. It's not. And there's like a whole world outside of it. So really pay attention to those, those, those resources and get more of this in your ear hole, right? Like surround yourself with this, clean up your social media feeds, change the podcast that you listen to and, and bake yourself in a brand new message because that's so, um, I think that's so important, such a big part of it. Mm -hmm. you know, the repetition to just, you know, see other bodies and other perspectives and you're right, like immerse yourself in a healthier, you know, conversation, um, is so important. It's that, you know, changing our beliefs is really what we're talking about here. That's what we mean when we say the mindset work and you have to find those beliefs, challenge them and change them and then, you know, reinforce them. And I think that's what you're talking about. So finding those people to follow and hear their messages and read those books and, you know, get all the other shit out of your brain and out of your feeds is so, so important. It's actually one of the steps of our program. Awesome. Well, you guys definitely check out Bridget and Dana with Wellness Lately. And I really appreciate, appreciate you both being on the show. It was an awesome conversation. Yeah. Thanks for, for having us. us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you. 